Today's topic is healing, and there's lots of questions in regards to this topic. When we say healing, you know, people ask, does God still heal today? Uh, Does he heal at all? Uh, How do I receive healing? You know, these are just a couple of the questions that I hear often, and I'm going to try to attempt to answer these questions and to help us have a deeper understanding of the topic of healing. We're going to go into James chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. To start us off this morning, if you don't have a Bible, it's all right, it's along uh, on the screen. <clears throat> it says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And that's something we're going to offer today. At the end of the service, if you're sick and you want our ministry team to pray for you, they actually will have oil with them uh, and we'll Pray with you and anoint you with oil. They're not going to pour it over your head. Come on, somebody. A little dab will do. Just a little. Like we'll put just a little. Um, and it's not the oil that heals you anyway. The oil is just symbolic. Uh, and so we'll, we'd be loved to do that. And it's available for you anytime you want prayer. Uh, you just ask them. We don't just automatically start rubbing people down with oil and pour it on their heads. It said, but, but it says, if you'll anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise them up, and then he says, if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. And then we love this passage here because it's really the the theme verse for our small groups. It says, and therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you might be healed. So here he's not just talking about a physical healing. He's talking about healing for your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So not only will God heal our sick bodies, but God will heal our sick souls, And isn't that a good thing? I don't want to just make it to heaven. I want all of me to reflect all of God. And i got a lot of baggage from the past that I need God to cleanse me and heal me and free me from. It says, uh, then the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I want to lay a foundation uh, with three observations from this that I think we need to know. The first one is this, is that God still heals people. Let me say that again. God still heals people. He does it still today. And even in our church, we've seen people experience healing. Uh, Ollie is, I don't know if he's in this service. He was in the last service. Uh, He's been going to our church for about a year and a half. Uh, He's a big part of the prayer team and ministry team. And he said, you know, Pastor, when we first started coming to Anchor Bend, he said, I was partially deaf in one of my ears. And the doctor said, there's no way for it to be healed. Uh, And so he said, I've dealt with this for quite some time. And he said, I was sitting in the worship service. Vanessa was singing. And then all of a sudden, as I was worshiping, he said, Pastor, something popped in my ear and my hearing was restored. A miracle took place in the middle of worship. God healed Ollie's ear. And even last year, we had revival services. It was about this time in September and October, Pastor Benny Uh, Perez came here. He's become a friend of mine and Pastor Phyllis. And he just walked in the prophetic. And for whatever reason, God chose to have revival begin to spring out throughout that week. We called extra services, which we've never done 
before, and we saw lots of people healed, like the manifested power and healing of God took place in people's lives. I can think of one person, Pastor Derek Earhart. He is the lead pastor of Purpose Church. They're launching their church in Richmond, Texas at Constellation Field. They've come in multiple times to uh, see how we set up and tear down. As a church, financially, we have sowed into them. And then I'm helping to coach him to launch through the ARC, which is our associated Association of Related Churches that Phyllis and I and this whole church are a part of. And so it was amazing to have him come to these revival services. But what I didn't know is that Eric was suffering from real bad neck pain. Something happened in his neck, and he had went to the doctor, got x-rays. The doctor said, well, you know, we can't really fix it, but we can medicate you and help you tolerate this pain. And he said it was unbearable. He would take bottles of aspirin and Tylenol. He didn't want to get hooked on prescription drugs, but said, I was taking handfuls multiple times a day to manage the pain. And when Pastor Benny was here, he came, and Pastor Benny said, anybody wants prayer for healing, come on down. And he went down to the front. Lo and behold, I just happened to pray for him. I had no idea what we were praying for. Just laid my hands on him as I did with others that were there that night. And he said instantly when we prayed for him, he said his neck popped. And he said in that moment, all the pain that he had been experiencing for multiple months and almost a year instantly was gone. And he was healed miraculously in that moment. And what's amazing, he went back to the doctor, and the doctor verified it through other x-rays that his neck was radically and miraculously healed in that moment. He didn't do anything except experience the power of God in his life. And so we know that God still heals people today. Hebrews 11 or 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same. Everybody say same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What's that mean? He doesn't change. He doesn't shift. We don't have to worry about, well, is God in a good mood today? No, you don't have to worry. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then if you know that, then the question that I'm asking is, well, why doesn't healing happen all the time? Right? I mean, that's a valid question. And I think we need to understand that it's okay for God's, can I just tell you, God's not afraid of your questions. I think people are. I think people are a little nervous. No, no, God don't care. Bring him the biggest, the baddest question you got. It doesn't intimidate him. He's not concerned. He wants to help us understand. So let's understand. Isaiah 55, 8. Here's the reality. It says, and this is God speaking, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Wow. Well, that starts to make a little more sense, right? I mean, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways, so where we're questioning why it doesn't happen every time, and God's just like, that's not my way, and it's okay. We've got to accept that on our spiritual journey, but just because it doesn't happen for one person doesn't mean we can deny the existence of it totally. Can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God still heals And that's why we call this a faith journey. That's why we call this the journey of life where we're discovering and uncovering and living lives built on the faith that God is sovereign and I am not. God does things that I don't understand. I may never understand, but God is still faithful and I choose to serve him even if I don't understand. And that's okay, right? If we served a God that we understood, he wouldn't be a God at all. Thank God he's much smarter and wiser and understands far more things than I can ever imagine or comprehend. And look, I want to go into Hebrews chapter 11. This is the faith chapter in the Bible. If you're familiar with Christianity 
And if you're not, I would encourage you to go back and study this chapter. It's an amazing chapter. We did a whole series a couple of years ago called Running with the Giants, and it was based out of this passage of Scripture. And what we see is that there were many people that received the promise of God in their life because of the faith they held on to. But one of the things we didn't talk about, but we're going to talk about this morning, is later in that chapter, in verse 39, it talks about people who lived with the same faith, that had the same passion, but they did not experience their promise on this side of eternity. Look, look at what it says. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. What's that mean? The world looked at them. People looked at them. They were faithful in their prayer. They were faithful in their belief. They never lost hope. And it says, yet none of them received all that God had promised. I mean, that's kind of a problem, right? It's like, God, I was faithful. God, I held on. God, I had hope. And yet you're saying that they didn't receive the promise. That doesn't even seem fair. But look at what happens. It says God explains because he knew we would have questions here this morning reading this. Look what he says. For God had something better in mind. What? So that means your better is not always God's better. What you think is best is not always what's actually best. And so what we have to understand is whether I get the promise on this side of eternity or on that side of eternity, my God is good and he's going to give me the best that he has for me. And I know it's hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to accept the reality of that, especially if we're praying for healing. But what we have to learn to do is simply trust God. And look at what Isaiah 57.1 says. Good people pass away. What? I mean, if you're older, not old, older, right? I'm 42 years young now, and so, man, 60 doesn't sound old, 80 doesn't sound old. I don't even feel, oh, I still feel like I'm 22. I know I look like I'm 22. It's awesome. The fountain of youth, except for it missed a patch back here, but that's okay. Don't let me blind you. So here's the reality. Some people, Pastor, what do you mean? Bad things happen to good people. What are you saying, Pastor? Look, it's what God's saying. He said the godly often die before their time. That's a tough passage. Because you think if I'm good enough, if I'm godly enough, then surely I can outlast death or any disease or any sickness. And so here's the challenge with healing. Some people said you didn't have faith, you weren't good enough, you weren't committed enough. And that's not what the Bible says at all. I don't believe that's even scriptural. I used to kind of believe it in the faith movement. You're kind of taught that. I just believe God knows things that we don't. And I'm not stopping. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe. But sometimes bad things happen to good people. And sometimes good people die before their time. No one seems to understand. And here's what I want you to get this morning. Get this. God is protecting them from the, this is Isaiah 57.1. Put that up there for me, please, so they can see it. God is protecting. Everybody say protecting. See, I love this topic. I've, I've had to do some study and research, and I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? See, we're complaining God's protecting See, we're griping and we're, we're angry and we're frustrated. And I get it. Listen, I understand the frustration. It's real. But if we really understood the heart of God, if we really understood what was taking place, we would say, God, I don't understand it, but you love them more than I do. And I've got to believe you were protecting them from the evil that was to come. 
And I think when we get to heaven, it's going to make sense. We're going to say, God, I didn't understand it. I love them. I prayed for them. I believe them. It might even be you yourself. But God's going to reveal, look, this is what would have happened, but I love you so much, I chose to not let you walk through that, and now you get the greatest treasure of all, which is being here in eternity with me. He knows things that we don't know. He understands things. Now, let, let me just comfort you. That doesn't make it any less painful. That doesn't minimize the hurt of someone that we love passing away. That doesn't minimize the grief that we have to walk through because you got to walk through it. Why? Because we love people dearly in our lives. I, I know this firsthand. My sister, uh, some of you may or may not know this, but I used to have a sister. Her name was Tina. Retha, Christina, Tina, Kyles, um, and she spelled her name T-I-I-N-A. She was being difficult just like me with the J-I-M-N, and she would light up a room. I mean, she was just the joy of a conversation. She'd walk in, and just she could have you eaten just, just out of the palm of her hand. She just, people loved her. In fact, my kids, my two boys, they're the only ones that got to know her, and they used to call her Aunt Butter. Because she was so smooth, just smooth like butter. And uh, the challenge with Aunt Butter was when she was a young adult, about 20 years of age, somewhere around there, she realized and was uncovered that she had lupus. And lupus is an autoimmune uh, disease that occurs when your immune system actually begins to attack its own healthy system and organs. And so for Tina, she struggled with this disease for 20 years. She'd have some good days, she'd have some bad days. And you know, it was just sometimes it was on and sometimes it was off. And then June 7, 2011, Tina went to be with the Lord. And it was tough. I mean, <clears throat> you know, when you think about it, she loved God. She went to church. She went to a couple of healing services. Anybody ever been to a healing service? You know, you're like, God, heal me. Everybody gets healed but you. You're like, what, what in the world, you know? Can we just be honest? Can we just be real? I mean, someone says, hey, come on down for healing, and, and you pray, you got faith, you're believing, and you're not healed. And that's the way it was with Tina. And so here's the reality is that we prayed for the healing that God would do. We believed, and yet she still crossed over into eternity. So I understand the pain of that. What I know, though, is that God still heals, and yet sometimes God doesn't. And either way, it has to be okay with me because God knows things that I don't know and God is protecting her and keeping her. And I just believe, you know, I, I always, the sad part is she never got to see this church. But I think she's in heaven praying for us, cheering us on, you know, out there just, come on, you got it, we can do it. And we just have to remember to look at the bigger picture. This is just such a small piece and James after he addresses the prayer for the sick and the healing, uh, he begins to talk now about the healing for the soul. And that's because God's more concerned about my soul. I need you to know that. God's more concerned about your soul than this earthly body. Your body is not who you are. Your body is simply what you live in. And so this temple that we live in, we can be so focused on it, but really God's not that focused on it. The Bible says that we are here today, gone tomorrow. James says that life is a mist. It's like a vapor, just, just gone like that. And what you understand is we're only here 60, 70, 80, 90 years. I'm hoping to be 100 years old. But in the light of eternity, it's nothing. 
And so this pain that we experience, the, the, the frustration of not experiencing what we're asking God for, in the light of eternity, it'll make sense even if it doesn't right here. And this life that we live in, it's really a test for us. Will you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Will you confess him as your Lord? That's the test. And then once you pass the test, here's the reality. We've got to leverage our lives. We've got to leverage our energy. We've got to leverage our resources to now take the gospel into the world and see as many people saved, set free, and delivered by the power of God. That's what this life is about. It's not about this body. And sometimes there's going to be pain and sometimes it's going to hurt, but that's something we recognize. We leave in the hands of God while we live lives of faith. Matthew chapter 10, 28 talks about this very thing. It says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one that can destroy both soul and body in hell. So what's he saying? Look, don't be body focused. Focus on the things of eternity, not the things of this earth. And, and I think so many of us think about the things of this earth way more than we think about the things of God in eternity. Look, it's great to see miracles. But that's not the greatest miracle we get to see. We get to see the greatest miracle, which is salvation. That's the greatest miracle. And there's no devil in hell. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no infirmity that could ever rob us of the salvation of Jesus Christ. And that is the greatest miracle of all. In Luke 10, 20, we see Jesus speaking to disciples. And this is a really cool passage. Uh, if you're new to Christianity, I want to encourage you to go read the Gospels because it talks about the birthing of the church and how Jesus was the message. It wasn't about a movement. It was about Jesus. He is the movement. And here he empowers his disciples and anoints them to go and lay hands on the sick, cast out devils. And it's amazing because the kingdom of God is advancing in a powerful way. And so the disciples are fired up. I mean, they're amped up. They come back. They're excited. But look at Jesus' response to the disciples. He says, look, that's awesome. However, don't rejoice that spirits submit to you. Look, you've cast out devils, you've healed the sick, you've laid hands on those that, that couldn't walk, and now they're being raised up. He says, look, but rejoice, this is the greater. Look, that's awesome, that's body-focused. I need you to be heaven-focused. The heaven part is that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They're written in heaven. Think about it. So Jesus says, this is awesome. But let me repoint you to what's important, and that's salvation, that's eternity, and that's what we're going to celebrate here. Look, we want God to heal everybody. That's what my goal is. But God's not earth-focused like I am. And the real goal of this is God wants me to grow in my faith. Each and every one of you, it's about the faith that God wants to raise up on the inside of you. And, and though we're all focused on miracles and whether or not they happen, that, and, and look, I know it's going to hurt some of you because some of us, that's what we're focused on, but God's not necessarily focused on that. He's got other things, something deeper. He's concerned about the process that's taking place in your life. See, we're results-focused. God's process-focused. Like, I want the results, right? It's all about the results. And God's like, yeah, that, yeah, we can get there, either this side of eternity or next. But I need this process to unfold in your life. And look, I've seen miracles it's amazing. I've seen legs grow back. I've seen spines readjust. I've seen blind eyes. I've, I've, I've heard of deaf ears opening up. I mean, it's amazing to see them. I've seen them here in Anchor Bend. I've seen them overseas in missions, and it's awesome. 
But then I've also prayed for people and nothing's happened. And I want you to know that because there's nothing more just kind of deflating where you're like, man, I believe in Jesus' name. And they walk out and it looks like and seems like nothing's happened. In fact, I've been praying one prayer for more than 18 years. Phyllis and I have been married for almost 20 years. In February, we'll celebrate 20 years together. 20 years. And shortly after we got married, she was, ty- she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, insulin-dependent, brittle. So she goes real high, real low, constantly, always fighting it, chasing her numbers. If you're diabetic, you know what I'm talking about. When it's high, we're chasing it to get low. When it's low, we're trying to chase it to get high. And it just seems like nothing we've ever been able to do has worked. And so you look at her, you wouldn't even know it. She functions like everybody else. And, but, you know, it's been hard. I mean, there's been moments where her sugar's been so low, we've had to stay up through the night, and she took too much of the wrong type of insulin or something, and so you're chasing it with orange juice or anything to get it up, and we've done that many times, and it's like, all right, here we go, we're going we're gonna to do that. There's been times it's been so high, she's been hospitalized. Her body goes into ketosis, starts to shut down, and see, we've seen everything in between, and here's what's frustrating, right? I mean, Phyllis loves God. I mean... For goodness sake, she's a pastor. She preached the roof off three weeks ago. You would think she might have a little favor with God. Come on, somebody. I'm like, favor, God, favor, you know. I mean, she, she, she loves God. She's passionate about what God's doing. She's a great mom. She loves this church. And here's the other thing. We have been believing for a miracle for 18 years. So at the end of the day, this is what I know. It's like, men, we can get, we, we know that, oh, God, I'm asking. But here's also what I've seen in this whole sickness is that I have realized how much more compassionate I have become to people that have a long-term illness, sickness, or disability. See, my, my compassion scale or my empathy and mercy is like a one. It's about as low as you can get. But when I hear of someone with a chronic sickness, my heart goes out. People that have dealt with an ailment that they've had to struggle with that impacts their family, that impacts their finances, that impacts their kids, that impacts their marriage, that impacts. I get it. Why? Because I've walked through it for 18 and a half years. And so God has done a work inside of me to have this compassion otherwise that I would never have in my life for people that are in need and desperate for a miracle from God. There's a process that has been taking place inside of me. And what I've learned is, look, whether I see it or not, God's going to heal her. And Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So there's a faith journey. Look, I haven't stopped praying for 21 days of prayer on Saturday. I was praying, God, would you heal her? God, I thank you for the day she wakes up and she doesn't need insulin. Her blood sugars are regulated. God, I thank you for a long life. God, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. Isaiah 53.5, by your stripes we are healed. I'm not stopping my prayer for God to heal her and I'm going to continue to believe until as long as there's breath in my lungs. I'm not going to stop and I'm not going to quit. And then look, it says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I think that's pretty interesting, right? I mean, when do you need God the most? Is it when life is great, when everything's perfect, when your marriage is perfect, your kids are awesome and perfect? No, no. We tend to seek God. How many know when you're all messed up? 
when there is no hope, when there's no cure, when it seems like, God, if you leave me, I'm destitute. God, if you leave, I'm headed for the wrong place. God, I'm, I need you. It's in those moments. That's where it seems like we're more earnest in our prayers. We're more earnest in our pursuit. We're more disciplined in what we need to do. Look at James chapter 5, verse 17, and this is what's interesting. As we're desperate for answers, James actually begins to give us a hint. Now, this is the same passage that we just read earlier in the, in the service where James was talking about healing the sick, not only your body but your soul. And what's interesting is he gives us this glimpse of how we can experience that healing in our life. It's really a faith journey, and it's Elijah's faith journey. Look at what it says. Elijah was a human being. Now, if you're new to Christianity, you may not know who Elijah was. He's one of the greatest Old Testament prophets. Like, he had, for real, a hotline to God. And it was amazing, the miracles and signs and wonders. And what I've learned is that when God uses people, sometimes we put them on a pedestal. Like, you're superhuman. You're super amazing. Like, you're perfect, and what James is saying here is, yes, God used him, but there are no perfect people. Yes, God used him, but there are no superhuman people. There are submitted people. And so he was just normal. Just Everybody say normal. He was just normal. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it, it would not rain. And it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gained, uh, gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, it's amazing because this is... Elijah's faith journey. What we see is that here he prays for there to be no rain, and then all of a sudden there's no rain. He prays for the rain to come down, and all of a sudden the rain comes down. So in other words, what we're seeing is that there is an answer to the prayer that he's praying. Now, it doesn't give us a lot of the details. So I want to go into 1 Kings 17.1 just quickly. I want you to see a few details that are going to help you this morning. This is the story that James is telling us about with Elijah. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tish in Gilead said to Ahab. Ahab was a wicked king. Him and Elijah did not get along. In fact, God was chastising Ahab. And uh, so they didn't have a great relationship. And here it says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve. This is Elijah speaking. There will be neither dew nor rain for the next few years except at my word. Now, do you think that was Elijah's word or that was God's word? It was God's word. So James says, look, I need you to go back and study the life of Elijah because if you want to experience the miracle of healing in your soul and in your body, there are some clues in the story of Elijah. And the first one is faith begins with a word from God. So when you need a miracle in your life, it's not from the doctor, it's not some self-helps, it's not even what you heard from your pastor. Don't stand on my word, stand on God's word. What did God say? How did he speak? And stand on what he spoke in your life. And someone says, well, where does that word from God come from? What we understand is Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I need the faith to believe a miracle, where I go to church. You can grab scriptures at church. But let me tell you the greatest place. It's not here on a Sunday, which I'm glad you're here, and I want you to come back every week out the year. But it's called the B-I-B-L-E. You guys remember that song, the B-I-B-L-E? Well, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God. Uh, look, Phyllis got it, the B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, we, we had a hip-hop version. I'm just saying, come on, somebody. It's the Bible. 
So many times we're standing for a healing and a miracle, but it's not really on God's word. It's what you heard someone say about God's word. And until you read God's word, you won't have his word to stand on. And then once you get his word, there's no devil in hell. There's no situation that could ever keep you from standing on the word from God. Your faith begins to grow. Now, why is it? Look, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive. It's active. I need you to know, and and especially those that are new here to the faith of Christianity, listen, the Bible is not a novel that someone wrote of a bunch of good stories about a man who lived on this earth who claimed to be God. The Bible is the infallible word of God written by men inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the amazing thing is it's not just some self-helps book. Give me a few tips. That's awesome. It is literally the breath of God being breathed in my life that gives me God and his fullness in my life to live this world the way I need to live in this world. It's amazing. It's alive. That means when I need faith, guess where I go get filled up? It's the word of God. When I'm down on hope and I've got no hope, guess who gives me hope? When I'm feeling despair and when I'm feeling anger and bitterness, where do I go to make this life of God fully come out of me? It's the Bible. Nobody can read your word but you. That means on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you just got to dive into the word of God. Let's continue with Elijah's story in verse 43. It says, go and look and see. So he's talking to his servant. And his servant went up and looked and there's nothing there. How many have ever prayed and you're like, I don't see anything there. You're like, hey, go look. No, it hadn't changed. The marriage hadn't changed. The kids haven't changed. How many know the bank account hadn't changed sometimes? I mean, you go look. Just go look. No, no, nothing has changed. And so he said seven times that Elisha told him to go back. And I love this because I haven't seen God do it very often. God doesn't always answer us on the first time we pray. I mean, now, when you're a brand-new Christian, listen, there's like this sweet spot. It doesn't last too long, but you're praying for a parking space. And then you, you get that one place right at the very front. You say, favor ain't fair. Come on, fog, baby. You know, the favor of God. And, and it's cool, God will give you the one spot, but that's not really what favor's about. But God's just kind of trying to help you get this, you know. You pray for something, you know, God, would you let my boss be nice? And your boss is nice, you're like, oh, God. Well, that's awesome. That's new Christianity. But there comes a point where you pray something, and it's like the heavens are shut up. Like, God, what did I do to offend you? I've been to Next Steps. I joined a small group. I'm serving on the dream team, and I hadn't heard a peep from you. And what God's doing is now, hey, listen, we're going from this shallow baby Christian. I need you to mature a little bit. I need you to know that I'm God, whether you feel it, whether you see it, whether you think it. I hadn't gone nowhere, but I need you to know I'm still there. And so we see that with Elijah, right? It's like he had to go back seven times. How many would quit after two Three. After four, I'm like, yo, I thought I was a prophet. And the prophet, they can actually die if something doesn't happen. So I think I'm just going to kind of kill it right here. Like, we're good. No, Elijah's like this. It's going to happen. And we're not stopping until we see the fruit of what we've been praying to God for. There was a dependence on God. And then we continue. It says the seventh time the servant reported, I got some good news and I got some bad news. The good news 
There's a cloud, but it's the bad news is it's as small as a hand, and it's rising from the sea. And I love it because that's all Elijah needed. Just give me a little sign. God, I don't need a lot. I just need a little. I just need to see that you're moving on the scenes. And so now he goes and tells Ahab, look, it's amazing. Get your chariots, hitch it up. You better go before the rain stops you. Isn't that awesome? Before the rain, like he hadn't seen nothing but this little bitty hand. And I love it because it means faith continues regardless of what I see. Oh, I didn't see much, but did you see something? I didn't see anything. Well, that's okay. That means you just keep praying. But faith is I'm not quitting today. I'm not quitting tomorrow. I'm not quitting next week. I'm not quitting this month. I'm not quitting until there's not breath in my lungs. I choose to walk by faith and not by sight. And that was 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, look, I'm not going to be moved by what I can or cannot see. Faith is what moves my life forward. And it doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. I serve a God that is supernatural. And my faith is going to continue. My faith is going to be stirred up and built up. I'm not going back. So you better keep going back and looking to see if God has moved yet because he's going to move on our behalf. I love it. Hebrews 10, 35. So what do I do in the meantime, Pastor? When that faith is building up, look, it says, don't throw away your confident trust. Confident trust in yourself, in the doctor, in what you see. What's this? In the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. The, 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 the center of my faith, I am grounded here at our church. One of our values is God is my anchor. I am anchored to God. I choose to have a confident trust in the Lord. And then look at what it says. Remember the great reward it brings you. We're going to be rewarded. This life or the next, but I'm going to be rewarded. And then look at these two words, patient endurance. I hate both words. Can I just tell you, I know I'm your pastor, God's worker. I don't want to be patient, and I don't want to endure. I want an Instagram life. I want fast food. Come on, somebody. I want downloadable movies because I'm not even going to the red box. I don't care how cheap it is. I'm going to pay $6.99. Why? Because I want it now. Right? I mean, so, so look at what he says, and this is the contention between Christianity because Christianity was never intended to be an American Christianity or an American gospel which says God does it now, you just speak it. It'll, no, baby, there are moments where you will go years, you will go years, you will go years before God ever may even speak to you. And you have to say that's what patience comes in, endurance. Even though I can't see it, my body still hurts, the people I'm praying, nothing seems to happen. I'm going to patiently endure. Look what it says. It's what we need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you'll receive all that he's promised for in a little while. Now, I just think God has humor. So here's, here's a little while, really, God? Because we know in 2 Peter, it actually says one day is as a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years as a day. So a little while? What? Like think about a little while. Is that a couple of days? So that's a couple thousand years. I may not see it on this side of eternity, but to God, it's still just a little while. He's not going to be late. He's going to be right on time. So whether it happens here or it happens there, my God is always on time. And the promise isn't going to delay. And my righteous ones will live by, here's that last word, faith. Faith is the belief. 
That's the fuel for a Christian's life. It's like, God, I believe. There's, I, I, just, I choose to believe. It's a choice, and I choose to believe that you are God, and I'm not, and I choose to not let go of my faith. And look, let's go to the rest of the story. Verse 45. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking in his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Well, this is a miracle. This is just, he just casually mentions it. But the prophet outruns a horse and a chariot and its rider. Well, we know that's physically impossible. So not only did God answer Elijah's prayer to send the rain, God did more than what he asked for. And I think that's going to happen to many of you. You're asking for a miracle in your body. God's not only going to heal your body, he's going to heal your marriage. You're asking God to get rid of the pain that's been chronic. God's not only going to get rid of that, but he's going to touch your kids and cause a destiny to be birthed out of your family. He's the God of more than enough. We don't understand, but he does. And it's more than enough in our lives that God's going to do for us. And I'm believing that God would do the same in each and every one of you. Why don't you go ahead and stand up? Just everybody stand up as we get ready to close. Here's the last thing. And I know if you're a note taker, you're like, how do I take the note? Quickly. Faith goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. Isn't that interesting? I don't like to start small. Does anybody like to start small? Like, I, I, I want to pray, and I want the healing right now, right now. I just want it right now. And sometimes that prayer is just the beginning of the faith journey God's taking us on. That, God, I'm moving my life forward, and I choose to believe for healing. But if it's just the beginning or if it's the grand finale, I'll take either one in your, your will. I think there's really two types of people. There's destination people and there are journey people. Destination people and journey. And we see this really revealed in vacations. Anybody see that? Like there's those that love the destination and those that love the journey. And you think about a, a, a destination person, they just want to get there. Like I don't care where there is, but I want to get there. Because if I get there, I can rest and relax, all the pressure's off, and now I can have a good time. And if you've ever been around one of those people, it's like, hey, we're going to go, but you better use the restroom now because there are no pit stops, and I got a couple of cups in the car in case you need. Come on, that's the way the old school used to do it. I mean, you know, I remember peeing in a bottle. I'm like, you want me to do what? Yeah, yeah, just pee in the bottle. Okay, all right, let's see if it'll work. I'm sorry if I get it all over you, but we'll go. You know, it's like it's the destination person. Like, I don't want to stop at a rest stop. I don't want to Instagram this. You Instagram the car moving forward. Right? I don't care if it's one of the seven wonders of the world. I'm not stopping until I get there. Right? I don't want to smell roses. I don't want to look at the flowers. Let's just get there. Here's the problem. God's not a destination God. He's a journey God. He's like, yeah, I'll get you there. Sometimes it's sooner. Sometimes it's later. But it's the process that's the purpose. That he's working something inside of us. And even this morning, I just, I felt it in the first service. I feel it in this service. That God is building faith on the inside of you. And some of you walked in, you didn't even know you still had pain from the past of someone you prayed for that passed away. And I need you to know, God loves you. God loves them. And all we know is he was protecting them from evil that would have come. Doesn't that bring comfort? It's like, okay, God. 
do whatever you want. Now, it doesn't make it any less painful, but this is the great thing about Christianity. Our hope is not in this world. It's not in this earth. It's not in the now. It's in eternity anyway. And one day we get to spend time not only with God, but with the loved ones that have gone before us. And I'm praying for his healing to take place in many of your lives. And then this is what I'm going to do. At the end, I'm going to give you an invitation to come down and be prayed for. we got oil. We'll pray for you. And just invite you to be a part of that. We'd love to pray for you. I believe people will be healed today. We just believe God is the God that heals today. Let me just pray over us. And then I want you to get ready. Look, as I close the prayer, I'm going to give you an invitation. Some of you, it's not a physical healing. It's a spiritual healing. You need God to save you. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer of commitment and salvation in just a few moments. Let me just pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for each person that's in this place. God, you touch them. You heal them, Lord. I thank you for your anointing that's been released, even in a topic that has been misunderstood, that you do still heal today. And God, I thank you for that power that flows through us. And God, I thank you for a better understanding of your word that Even when you don't, you still are God. Help us, Father, to move through grief. and Don't let us be stuck on the pain of the past. Let us celebrate what you've done and the fact that they're in eternity with you. This is the greatest joy of our lives. We thank you for that. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Jesus, you've never surrendered your life to him, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. And then we believe in our heart, God, you raised him from the dead. The Bible says you'll be saved in this moment. That's the greatest miracle that could ever take place is your salvation. Here's the thing. What do you got to do? You just, you repent. You God say, I'm, I'm getting away from the life I used to live, and I'm putting my focus on you. I'm surrendering my life to you. Doesn't matter what you did last night. Doesn't matter what you did this morning. God in heaven, his grace and his power is right here, right now to save you. It's the miracle of salvation. If that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I just want you to just raise your hand as an act of surrender. Just say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to surrender my life. Right now, in this moment, just raise it up high. Just... That's me. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, all over this place. Come on, church, tell them how proud you are of them. Now I want to lead you in a prayer of surrender. Say, Jesus, I need you. Save me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of all of my sins. Wash away my past. I receive your life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, worship God this morning.